Welcome to another episode of Key Charge GG. Austin has won the flip again this week, so he's going to go ahead and start us off. I think where I want to start this week is probably some organized play announcements because we're going to eventually get into the vault tour uh, that happened this weekend in Denver. Um, but I want to say that I'm very proud of FFG for getting us a community manager, someone that's going to be out there in the field, out there on social media, communicating with us and for us back to FFG. I'm very surprised they made that move, and it looks like going forward, I feel as if we're going to be in a better spot than we were, definitely, because I know a lot of people were kind of waning, kind of on the fence about how they felt about organized play, but I think we finally got the so-called jitters out, and we're going to be in a better spot. I mean, it's always good to have somebody out there actually in the field, in the trenches, if you will doing doing the dirty the nitty-gritty and seeing what it's like out there and actually reporting back to the company with stuff so that's definitely something i would agree with it's going to be a nice change um and we're referring to the what was it the it was uh key cast or the crucible cast episode six when they introduced the guy i don't remember his name specifically but he is the new community manager for he i think it's just Keyforge, I don't think he has any other title or That's role. Awesome. I think it's just for us. Um, I mean, they also kind of, that can kind of segue into the next topic here, the, you know, the AOA announcements that they had during Crucible Cast. Yeah. With the, the new cards being introduced for, uh, what was it, Logos and Mars? That actually came in an article uh, right after Crucible Cast was published. They didn't go over many new cards in the actual recording of crucible cast um but they did show the new packaging and now it's easier to store your deck in the actual packaging because of like a tab out tab in structure to you know pull the deck out after of security tabs and then be able to tab that back together with your deck because a lot of people said they didn't like exactly the ergonomics of generally not being able to fit your deck back in your deck box without it being top open or top bottom open that's fair i mean you pretty much when you open them you just tear the yeah, I mean, I, I have space for all my cards. Uh, probably not that much space after AOA, but... Uh, Definitely not. I'm going to tear the top off my... I usually just tear the top off and put it in my vault, which is, a, you know, probably like a 12-inch by 8-inch box that holds all of our... most of the decks that I have, so... It's a good investment, I feel. I was a little sketched out I in need the to, beginning. I need to be doing getting one of those myself honestly yeah, you're, you have what eight decks in an old fat pack box yeah from magic yeah so it's tight squeeze keeping things competitive um today we actually sat down and watched the finals from the denver vault tour yeah we watched most of the top eight you watched the quarters i came yeah. in at the semis um i i liked what i saw it was great it was interesting there's one thing that's been driving me crazy since since we saw it in the first round of the finals game when it was uh, Team SAS versus Reapout. I mean, I feel like it was a good showing for both players. I mean, there was a lot of back and forth. I feel as if, you know, I think both players really did do their best. And I feel like... Just one deck came out way stronger, it seemed like. Yeah, I off think... Off the top. I think definitely. And then... I mean, I don't know. This has been a problem I hear at most vault tours is how the bidding process actually works. There was kind of a snafu. That was a huge issue that uh, nobody really knew how it went down. Yeah. It seemed like. Because I think the confusion came in with <clears throat> Brooks. Uh, his deck had 
two wins at that point when they went into the third game. Yeah. And this is where the bidding would have happened. And essentially what I think was going to happen was, you know, he was going to bid a chain onto his deck and just let Nathan use it. Yeah. And then they had to confirm with the judges that that was okay. And there was just a lot of confusion in the process of the actual chain bidding and how it would go down. No one really knew. I think the commentators didn't know. The players at the table didn't really know. And it got to the point where I think maybe an action was made outside of how it was supposed to work. And that caused both the players to have to leave the play space, talk with judges, and explain what happened. Uh, the resolution to that was Nathan was able to play the winning deck of the last two games on with one chain, which is pretty yeah. pretty advantageous, I feel. Yeah, oh um, yeah, especially with how strong he was playing that deck, even though it wasn't his deck and something that he hadn't, to our played, knowledge, played even used. Yeah. Um, and that I, that's another thing that separates, you know, top-tier players and people who are on teams versus your everyday schmo. Like, these guys are able to adapt their play style to whatever's thrown at them and make it work for them in a way that as you can see using a deck he's never to our knowledge never played before or used was able to come around and and get the win yeah um i feel like i love adaptive the idea of the format i feel like we just need a better like printed in word document of how the bidding process works i would agree with that because from what i know in the rules it's simply just or on the website it's not in the rule book i don't believe unless they've updated it that you just it says players bid chains to get the deck that has won the previous two games it's about what is printed literally on the page and it doesn't say how that process really works or anything um so i believe as uh brooks broke down in his post-game interview i feel as if you know he was trying to just get the play off of him. He was trying to control play draw. Yeah. And that's what he wanted to do. So he put he basically surrendered the deck in order to control his play draw, um, which is good enough. But I feel like he could have been able to drive the chains up maybe two or three more. And he, but again, it's and that would have that would have been great. Yeah, he didn't know really how the bidding process worked. So because um, from but both no teams, yeah, both teams' perspective, they thought the deck would easily get to four or five chains. Right. Uh, and the stop point for both teams was about three to four. So, um, a lot of that was just confusing. I mean, I wish this was, it was just really spelled out confusing. better. But it was a great finals. I mean, there was back and forth always. Uh, a lot of... There was a Overlord Greg Reckon that would dominate the game. They have to be targeted. There were Ember Imps that had to be targeted, but were deployed in the flanks to dodge booby traps. Um, I just feel as if both players played to the best of their ability. It was, I mean, it was a great game both times. Yeah, like all three, all three games were really well played. Like were, it was interesting yeah. to see. Like you know, I I personally haven't seen that kind of tier in Keyforge yet, and this was like the first time sitting down and actually watching a, you know, no holds barred. Like this is the top players kind of going at it type of thing, and watching that not being privy to that before it definitely is a learning experience watching the the body language of players looking at how they're playing looking at how they're identifying cards in their hands and looking for lines three times three three moves ahead three turns ahead for everything it's it was interesting watching it all like kind of unfold in front of me yeah our uh winner nathan i mean while we were watching the vault tour here um the winner of the vault tour nathan was making some what people could possibly call strange 
discards, but I feel like eventually we kind of caught on to the fact that they were either two situational cards or he just wanted to pull through his deck more. Yeah. Um, which is something I've emphasized before on the cast. I mean, you definitely want to cycle as much as you can just because... You know, if if you don't have if you don't have the play in your hand, that means you know the nuts are in your deck still. So you gotta like be able to identify like, should I hold out for this? Should I hold this vigor for two turns and you know try to get that extra one ember off of the three heal, yeah. or should I just play it for the one gen and allow myself to possibly pick a card up off my deck in during my draw phase that's really going to change the game to my favor immediately? Yeah, I think vigor is the gimme. I mean, more than I don't know. Probably 60% of the time I'm just cycling that card. Yeah. But the times that I'm not cycling it, I'm getting that two ember and either setting up a, you know, a good save the pact or whatever, you know, a damage interesting combo or making my creature survive a fight that it wouldn't normally survive with a damage on it. I feel great, but I don't really look for those situations unless they kind of are just presented right in front of me. Yeah. Um, like the one- there's no... There's no downside really to healing an enemy, enemy creature. Yeah. No. The, the earning the ember is way better than three damage on an enemy creature. Yeah. I mean, unless that unless that's Overlord, yeah, and that like that's that's something you don't want to heal, but that, you know, kind of keeping things going like Vault Tour theme here. Um, one thing I will say about that is the last minute format switch was kind of like whoa. It's it, was it like three days before the actual event is when they sent out the memo, I guess, yeah, saying that they were switching the format. From what I surmised, um, it was about, like you said, anywhere from th- two to four days before the event. Uh, players going into it prepared for a triad tournament, which, uh, as you know, it's take three decks, ban one pre-game, um, and then... Best of three. Best of three. So what we ended up getting afterwards was a survival three, which means you bring three decks, and then you would play what turned out to be best of ones up until the finals... And yep. if you lost with that deck, it would then be eliminated, uh, and you can't play it anymore in the tournament, and you're out of the tournament when you have no more decks to play. Yeah. Archon Survival. Yeah. And it's basically single round, like, sudden death. Archon yeah. Sudden Death, essentially. Like, if you keep going, then you keep going until you run out of decks. Yeah. And it once your deck is out, it's out. You're out. Done. Uh, it's kind of... Uh, it's an interesting then, aspect. I feel like it's triple elimination in a way, but it kind of does <laughs> well, mess with yeah. Swiss. And then from what I heard on the a thread that I read that was like the official announcement, it said that a, a breakdown of standings said a lot of people at X1 basically just conceded a game at the last round to go 4-2 to just have to play with their best deck on day two, which is an interesting kind of meta call, but I like it a lot. I mean, it's smart. Like, yeah. if you know that your deck that you're winning with at the time is not going to hold up going into round two or day two, especially day two being the semis, it's it's a good call it's a strat call like it's it's something that you you obviously have to think about be like okay well if i toss this deck out then i know that i'm playing with my best deck moving forward going into the harder rounds yeah and it's definitely it's a hard call to make but if you're able to make that call and you know it's going to be advantageous to you i think it's definitely something to take into consideration yeah um i mean i mean there were some rounds on day two i'm pretty sure i think it just didn't cut did it cut automatically, or I don't know? Uh, day two was yeah. uh, it was 
I believe it was like forty some people. I don't imagine it cut it. It was forty six, I believe. So somebody did get a buy. Yeah. Or no, no, forty six. No, that's even. So everyone was good. So it was forty six going into day t- uh, day two. Yeah, the breakdown was really weird. It was bracketed with buys, so I don't know how that ended up. I've I, for me as a in a magic tournament, I usually just get rounds of Swiss on day two, so I'm not you know commonly aware of how this bracket with buy system works but they worked it out i mean we eventually got a top eight we eventually got a finals and uh we found a winner um i think most people would surmise that the winner would be maybe an otk deck but that that kind of went away in semis um i think it lost to nathan's deck which was a interesting dis shadows logo deck. If I'm correct on that, um, we can have decklist pulled up at some point. Um, we'll also post the winning decklist in our Discord. So um, his deck was interesting. Uh, it had like you know some logos archiving, some Dexters and logos. Though to be to be honest, I didn't even remember that logos was the third house of that deck because I don't think it was in the not finals, a lot of logos. We played. saw a lot of logo. We saw a lot of logos played. It was generally logos was discarded, and that was about it. Like there were there was like one turn where. I feel like Brooks was on the back end because he literally spent his turns to find good cards, just being like, oh, I put a Rocket Boots here, or oh, I play a Dexter, gain no Net Amber, here you go. Yeah. I mean, it was it was really strong Shadows diss in that deck. Yeah. But, I mean, Nathan's deck, the one that Brooks was playing, like, I mean, three control, control the week. It's just great. That, that's, that's huge. I feel as if we are now seeing that decks with minor artifact control and control we can easily get out of these you know the locks or the infinite combos that we're seeing in lands. like the lands you dude a, a lot of people were saying that lands was not really playing well at all and everyone was kind of seeing like lands decks getting destroyed by these anti-combo decks a lot of those and a lot of just general like i'm not going to let you get your ember this way you're gonna have to work really hard for it and you're gonna have to think outside the box to get to where you're trying to aim to be anyway and that was i'm glad because for a game that doesn't have a meta there is a meta in that aspect that you know these people people think that like lands combos and stuff like that are going to be the way to go constantly and consistently but that's not the case there's counters to them yeah but there is that established, oh, I might lose this game because they're running lands. I think that leads us into our, our next topic, and I'll call it simply the boogeyman. Ah, uh, the boogeyman. Because the boogeyman or the boogeyman or the the boogies, depending on the, where The you, oogie boogies? The oogie boogies. All right. So I think the oogie boogies were definitely a play or ploy, wherever, I don't know how you want to phrase it, but they had a factor in this weekend's vault tour, I feel like. A lot of teams, like organized professional playtesting groups, came out to play, and it scared a lot of people. I feel like I think there was up three to four threads on the on main to just talking about these teams, and I simply put on one. This is commonplace in any tabletop or you know gaming organization. Like I mean, people get together, they test, they do well. A lot of people are like, "Oh my god, teams! That's so whack!" Like, blah. It's like, well. Look at Magic the Gathering. You have Star City Games. You have Channel Fireball. You have so many teams in that game in a one-on-one game They type. even eventually evolved it to make teams be a part of the Pro Tour. 
Like, yeah. you know, your pro points would gather together, and then if your team did so well, it would qualify you for another tournament. Yep. Um, so that's just how it goes. I mean, you know, these teams are just groups of people playtesting to get better, to play better, to think outside the box. It's always good to resonate amongst people. As many people as possible to a limit of about... 8 to 10 is what you want on a team because you have so many outside opinions. You have people watching your games. You have people, a very pool of people to play test against. And then you also have resources that come generally in the form of being able to share decks and, you know, knowledge, but also you can eventually pick up a sponsorship. Yeah. Um, so. I mean, we, we saw, I mean, what was being cast today, it was pretty much strictly team games it seemed like like yeah. people from teams i should say like i mean um nathan was team sas and then brooks was team rebound yeah and i mean for people saying you know all these teams and blah blah well you know the proof is in the pudding i'm gonna i'm gonna try to sprinkle that in like every episode the proof is in the blank but like and it's there that's how the cookie crumbles right like well the proof is in the play test i guess that's the way <laughs> Because if you're playtesting with people who are experienced, you're going to learn more because it's going to be a harder game to win. That's that's just, like, statistically speaking, a more experienced player who's better at the game sees lines that you don't see, and it helps you grow as a player. It helps you learn how to be more effective and achieve that win in a way that you didn't see before. Yeah. That's the whole idea behind playtesting and forming these teams is being able to sit down with someone who's on caliber with you or above caliber in that in let me start over either on caliber or above caliber and when you're sitting there playing against each other you're not looking for you're now looking for different combos because you know that they're going to be looking for identifying factors they're going to be looking for you to do this this or that because they've played with you before now, what that forces you to do is to look at your deck and identify different combos and lines to work around the strategy that you would previously had. It allows you to think on your toes and make snap decisions in tight tight spots. And that's like, you know, when you look at the finals game today, like, it was a lot of, oh, didn't see that coming, and then working around it completely, both using after, what, game two and three, both using decks that weren't theirs. Yeah. And they're not on the same team. They weren't playtesting together. But the fact that they were on teams and they probably were playtesting within their team shows. Yeah. I because mean, you're able to make those snap decisions, look at, look at the different combos and lines, and execute them. And that's something that, like, I don't think a lot of people are expecting to see. Um, Keyforge being as new as it is, um, it's different for people just getting into the the card games and competitive card game playing i guess maybe that's why this was such a big heated topic it's it's new so i guess you're gonna have new players you're gonna have people who've never really played at that caliber before yeah. so maybe seeing teams they're like oh that's cheap like i'm i'm getting there's no way I, I had, you know, some people even comment to the point, like, I wouldn't share cards and I wouldn't share wins, and I'm just like, that's not what's happening at all. Like, maybe no, you not your even buddy, a little bit. You know, borrow your deck, but you're still performing to your own caliber. You're still putting your money where your mouth is. Like, no one's helping you. If anyone says anything in a game, it's, as a spectator, it's, you know, grounds for, you know, some sort of warning or 
so other things. You know, you, you yeah. can't. There's no one. You know, coaching you while you're playing. There's no teammate with you. You still have to put up the results yourself. Exactly. I mean, sure they can be there to pat you on the back after a nice win. Um, but besides that, you simply are just using people to train with. You know, and you want to be like a strong unit. You want to have put up results together. But in the end, all you want is someone to take away the trophy, no matter who it is. Yeah. So, um, I agree. I mean, I was on a team for Magic. I I was on Snapkeep slash, uh, you know, Bearded Dragon for a little bit, like a short stint. So, I get that. And it was an awesome atmosphere. It was great to play with people I played with, and I loved everyone. And I was very thankful that they they, they gave me the opportunity to write on their website as well as uh, be a part of their team. So, I feel like it's a good thing for the game. It shows me that there is an active competitive scene. And I am not afraid of the boogeyman or boogeyman. No, not at all. And that's like, I think that's one point that a lot of people aren't looking at is if there's teams forming, that means that there's a future for this game. That's the thing that needs to be, because there's a lot of talk about, oh, this game is dwindling and people slimming down collections. There's not the case. I don't see that happening. I don't see the game dying at all. I see the game is... At a transitional period, maybe because AOA is right around the corner. Yeah, we're we're, we're not it, late May confirmed now. Like we're looking right, right at the horizon. It's it's just in reach. Like yeah. it's almost there. And to and, still have some people. I think what it was over two hundred for the Volto, right? Or just around two hundred for this time around? I thought it was. I think it was two hundred and fifty. Okay. Yeah. Something that. like that. I don't know if that number is accurate, but we'll go with it. You know, that's an increase from Seattle, if I believe so. And, you know, you wouldn't have that many people show up to Colorado, fly in from all over the country, and even possibly internationally. A lot of people flew in. A uh, lot of people showed up for Denver, like, from all over. Yeah, that wouldn't happen if this game just wasn't, you know, a thing anymore. If this game was dying, people wouldn't be spending hard-earned cash on flights across the country to go play competitively. Yeah, to play some cardboard. Right, like you know, nobody's paying hundreds of dollars to fly to sling cardboard for like for no reason. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I think that we're in a good spot. Like, like I started the episode. I, d- I definitely with, think. I think we're in a great spot. It's just gonna get better. I, dude, we're we're at that. Like I said, we're right here. We're like right at this level point. Like going into vault tours, you know, there's a little up and down, up and down. And as soon as AOA hits, we're gonna get a spike. We're gonna get, I think, a lot of new players coming in because. Their friends, people who were playing, who've been waiting for AOA, are going to be like, okay, dude, you got it. Like, this new set just came out. You've got to come tri- check this out. You got to come play with us. It's going to be a blast. I also see that it's going to change up a lot of things. And, like, I mean, just look at the cards that have been released already. Mars is getting some really nice cards this set. Yeah. From what we've seen. Like, it makes Mars a little bit more. It adds a little bit of synergy to Mars. Yeah. Because, it, it, you know, you get a little bit more control. I mean, Mars has always had some control, but, I mean, I can't even think of the name of the card right now. Um, You were you told me about it. We were talking about it the other day. Um, The graphic is the dude grabbing the dude by the yeah, tie. Yeah, it's through uh, the, Martian um, Generosity. Yeah, Martian Generosity, which is, what is it? Uh, Lose all your amber, draw a card for each amber lost. Yeah. That plays right into a key abduction, amazingly. Yeah, I mean, it's a little hard for that to, have, you know, entirely be pulled off, but I if definitely, you play it's it a risk-reward right. thing. Yeah, I mean, if you have a crap hand and you're looking to cycle your cards and you have that 
like, I mean, if you're a key ahead or two keys ahead at that, like, you're you're in a good spot to throw that down. Yeah, I mean, or it could be as simple as just a one mana, or excuse me, one amber <laughs> draw two, like a cantrip, if you if you have no amber or, you know. Yeah. If you're low on amber, I feel like it's a good way to, to possibly get ahead. Um, maybe it, it does stress the Mars hand theme a little bit more. It gives you, you know, more of a Mars hand to form a Mars board and, you know, as they want to, start an evasion. So. Yeah. I think that the probably best card for Mars in this set is a common. Uh, it says is hypnotic command basically, but it's a common and it only does it to damaged creatures, I believe. Uh, it basically captures one from your opponent's pool onto the damaged creatures of theirs. Interesting. And it's a common. I think it's going to be one of the definitely breakout cards for Mars in the set. Uh, because Hypnotic Command was already great in Mars. Yeah, Especially super backed up card. by any big house. I mean, if you had a Sanctum backing that up, it's that's huge. Yeah. Because um, then you've got all your all your taunty boys just out there. Yeah, and I feel as if... I think it's for each Mars creature. I don't know. I mean, maybe just pull this up. We'll, we'll get it on the board. But uh, I feel as if... It's going to be a, a a good spoiler season so far. I mean, we have the other Mars card I like is the essentially shoulder armor, but you gain a chain every time you fight, and the creature has skirmish, which is interesting. I like it a lot. It gives some Mars creatures that kind of didn't really survive combat or removal a chance out there. Um, and what I like seeing a lot is that chains are becoming less of a fearful thing. You know, once we see chain bat events going throughout the country, they name some absorbent number of chainbound events that have happened, I feel like the developers now see that people aren't afraid of chains, they're not the worst thing to happen, and they're a great gameplay design aspect. So I feel as if, you know, we can get into Logos now. Um, Logos is also granted a tiered list of cards called the NYX Project, I'm pretty sure. Um, and... The first one, you play it, it archives a card from your hand, no, from the top of your deck or the discard pile. The second one, at the start of a turn, you archive a card. And then the last one, when you reap or fight with it, you can gain, you can play any card from your archive as if it was the active house. Nice. So you can play a Mars card, you can play a Brobnar card, you can play any house. It's basically just a free card to play if you survive the fight. We're, we're getting All the article right. up here now. We go, here we go. Fetch drones. That's another one. That yeah, one. so that's, that project I talk about is the ZYX project. Right here. Opposite XYZ. So yeah. no one's examining any zippers. Or maybe it's the zipper you examine. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, so we got... Researcher, director, and then project. So, ZYX researcher, archive the top card of your, or archive the top card of your deck or the top card of your discard pile. Which is insane. That's just super strong. Out. That's basically just a buffed up uh, archaeologist. Yeah, it's a it's, it's, it's recursion. It's, you don't have to wait for. Yeah, exactly. Then director, elusive at the start of your turn, archive the top card of your deck. Huge. Yeah. 
I mean, you're just building an archive. And then a project, we're looking at fight and reap. You may play one or more of your archive cards as if it were in your hand and in the active house. Yeah. So you're able to just cycle through, pick a card you want, and then throw it out like it's active. And then, boom, you're setting yourself up with a huge board, possibly. Yeah. Um, and I mean, so, and that's that's common, uncommon, rare, rare. In, that, in the order explained. That's huge. That allows, I mean, and that's kind of like what Logos has always been about, is like creating an archive and kind of like setting yourself up your ideal hand almost. And this is definitely the nuts for that. Like this is so strong in doing exactly that. Yeah. Um, and if we scroll down, the other Mars card that I really like out of this set is a four um, power two armor creature. You don't really see a lot of uh, Mars cars coming on the board with armor. Yeah, you don't see small ones. No. I mean, you see the Dominator, Dominator you see Tonk. Grabber Jammer, I think, is like the smallest creature that yeah. comes out with armor. It's, it's a similar style line to Grabber Jammer, but what I really like about it is if it's a, it does survive a fight, which it generally will against a smaller creature, you can deal two damage to a creature and move it to a flank. So... I mean that's great for setting it setting up anything that targets flanks. Like yeah. I mean if you have a it, it shadows if you have bold eye there. Yeah, I mean special delivery. I mean it, I think they're stressing the the composition of the battle line a lot more in this game, which is nice. And I mean as long the game is set up in a way where you have to play your battle line to create flanks to begin with and then a middle after the flanks and I feel like a lot of what they're doing is helping move the battle line through. I mean, they made it so important that they made it a deploy a mechanic, which lets you deploy anywhere in the battle line. Like, that's a special mechanic. So I feel as if maybe we're going to see a lot more of that going forward. We're seeing chains be a thing. We're seeing playing outside the house be more of a thing on even the... What is that, an uncommon? Yeah. The, which, uh, uh, which one? The backup, backup copy? copy. This creature gains destroyed, put this creature on top of your deck. So it's basically... Uh, yeah. Uh, and that's uh, a one ember gem to him. right here helper bot yeah helper bot i mean that's that's great it's basically a, a phase shift yeah it's phase shift on a creature yeah and that's um, that's massive that's that's you can regrowth him you know uh -huh. there's a lot of ways that that helps um but i think if you hop over maybe to like a spoiler site uh you can probably that's, just google yeah. the cards or just spoiled aoa cards but anyways, I uh, I'm very excited. I think we're gonna get a huge resurgence in in hype and you know players. And I know a lot of people that are waiting for AOA because maybe they haven't found the magic in the small smaller card pool we have comparatively. So standardized testing. That's interesting. I feel like a lot of what we have is good. And another thing I wanted to say about positioning that I maybe didn't mention. Excuse me. Initially was that. One of the cards we saw today a lot was Shadow Self. Massive card. Massive play Yeah. today. A lot of play. It was a lot of Shadow Self with Ember Imps. Lots of that going yeah. around. Because, I mean, you play that Shadow Self next to, like, uh, I believe Nathan did um, with his Overlord. You know, he hit the Shadow Self and then took control of it, put it right next to his Overlord. That was why Overlord was so scary. Yeah, because he had that Shadow Self backing him up. Yeah. It's and that's I mean when you're sitting on the other side of that board it's like anything I put out could now be taken control of and I don't need to like it's not collar of subordination but it is yeah like it's, it's a creature and like right so it's like not only can he take my creatures but that guy's generating ember too yeah and then building his board technically 
which can then in turn yeah, generate Reckon's, more ember. Reckon's a good card. I like it a lot. And it, it was a dangerous threat in the finals matchup. And eventually, you know, put some things here. Uh, what I I'm mean, look seeing... at this. Right here, Eureka. Another Logos card. Um, one ember to play. You gain one right there. Alpha. So, it's alpha. Play. Gain two. Archive two random cards from your hand. Yeah, I mean, that card's just like... What is that, it, rare? Uncommon. Uncommon? Then, Uncommon. Like I I mean, like I stated previously, and maybe not here, but I feel like they're allowed to push the mode a lot more for this set. They've seen that the game is going to be swinging in some senses, is going to be radically different from, you know, other card games. So, I feel as if... Shockworm, dude. Yeah. After um, an enemy creature reaps, stun it. Yeah. That's... Great the board control here there's multiple creatures printed with that kind of text there's an imp that does it too um so i feel like they're pushing the mold a lot more with these cards and i like it a lot it's giving not that they didn't push the mold with cards but i found the cards at higher rarities were the ones that i was more interested in playing with and seeing and developing uh skills with but i feel like even commons and uncommons now have you know grown vastly what and I'm can do. really glad to be seeing that be a thing. Like it's it's nice when you're looking at the general composition of the rarity scaling and seeing that it's not just rares that are really strong. Like bait and switch isn't a rare. Yeah, it's an uncommon. And I feel like that might be one of the maybe one of ten commons out of because commons the most common card. Uh, I would feel as if. One out of ten comments that do something very interesting for the game. Yeah. Um, but all of the cards I'm seeing are just great. I don't see, like, going through this, I don't really see vanilla creatures. They all have text on them for the most part. That's uh, that's Witch of the Wilds. That's, a, that's an old card printed at Legacy Rarity, which is one of the new rarities. Oh, is that what that is? Yes. Is so. That, is it alternate art, too? No, no, that's what Witch of the Wilds looks like. Um, it allows you to play an untamed yeah. card. I mean, I know that, that's why I was very confused to see it on this list. And some of this art is absolutely beautiful. That, I'm, I'm loving. That's the kind of thing that has me a little bit mesmerized here. Is like the the card art for AOA is phenomenal. Like, I, mean, I love the Keyforge, like kind of cartoonish, kind of serious hybrid vibe to begin with. But uh, I think we're just even more pushing the envelope. They definitely took a step like further into the the art direction here, and I like it. I'm love I'm loving it. It's it's got a vibe to it, and I feel it. Like like this banish, put an enemy creature in your opponent's archives, and you get one from that. But the the actual card art itself is that card's just in disc. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And it's great. And, and the the card art I love. It's like this Pandora's box sucking in a knight from sanctum and the the just the the color on it alone is pretty sick like you got like the purple for dis and then you've got like the sanctum and the light and stuff kind of getting sucked into this pandora's box type thing and it's it's awesome but uh i think to maybe put a more solid point on what i'm saying about pushing the envelope with these cards is that i believe richard garfield may have said in an interview talking about game development that when you have these cards that bend the rules a little bit or bend the rules of, you know, houses or colors in Magic or, you know, classes in Hearthstone, everyone tends to gravitate towards them to build them into their decks. And those generally become the better decks, the meta decks. But when you have right. a deck like this or a game like this, 
you don't have that problem because there's you can't no meta. change your deck. No, it's you. You get what you're given, and you and, have to make it work. And for the most part, people will have these house bending effects, but not everyone is going to have them, and there's not going to be a repetitiveness to it. You can push the envelope a lot more than you can in other cards. That's why games. I'm so against the lands thing. Is everyone's like. When, when you're playing Crucible, you'll come across people net decking, and it's it's just aggravating. Like, it's like you see it three moves ahead, it's like, oh, great, it's a Lance combo, here it comes. It's a broken combo. Yeah, I think we also will see more artifact interaction at common and uncommon. I'm looking forward to that. There yeah. There isn't... I don't feel like there's enough artifact there's interaction. There's about one card throughout each house that does artifact interaction. Yeah, I mean, uh... Grasping Vines... It's Grasping Vines. Oath of Poverty, but that's on your side. Yeah. it's Which is a super strong card. I think Oath of Poverty is universal. I don't think it's just yours. No, it's Destroy Yours, I believe. Okay. I think it's um, Destroy Your Own Artifacts, gain two for each artifact destroyed this we way. We have the Logos one that says Use Your Opponent's Card, and that's great against Nephium Seed. I mean, that's just literally yeah. Destroy Nephium Seed. I mean, it's Nexus, pretty much. It's another yeah. Nexus on the board. Uh, Shadows has Nexus. Um, we have Poltergeist, the best one, in my opinion. Out yeah, of Poltergeist is insane. Uh, Grasping Vines, like you said, I don't, I don't really like that one that much. I think it just, it's a nice tempo it's play. Ambergen, but I mean, you get one off of it. Yeah. So there's that. What is it? There's that. Uh, there's the artifact itself that interacts with Artifact Sanctum. Yeah. Uh, Gorm of Norm. Gorm of Norm. Yeah. Yeah. Or you can just send it. You can just keep sending it back. Sending. Oh, back there's archives. two in Sanctum. There's one that sends it back to their hand. And there's one that destroys another artifact for yeah. attacking it. So, I mean, we're not short on effects, but I feel like it would be nice to just see some more artifact Universal, Universally, they, I think artifact interaction would definitely be a nice thing to see coming in AOA. Because it is... That is one thing that can definitely sway a game either way. If you have a strong artifact deck and there's just no way to get rid of them, then you're kind of like... It's, it's kind of hard to come back from that. Yeah. Especially like, if it's paired with something like the Merchant in Sanctum to gain Amber when you play, or Carlo Phantom to steal Yeah, Carlo, it. yeah. Uh, or, like, an Oath of Poverty, like you said, to just swing you right out of the top. Like, you're grinding against these artifacts plus their creatures the whole time, and you just Oath of Poverty, and they you gain a bunch of Amber, and you're like, deal with it. Yeah. I mean, there was a game I was playing last night on the Crucible where um, it was two keys forged, and uh, my Amber pool was... I think I had two Amber, and I... Chose Sanctum. I had a big Sanctum board, repped across, and then I was I used both my artifacts. You know, I used my Hollowed Blaster, heal my Shadow Self a little bit, because I had him protecting some people that had captured embers. So I was like, yeah, keep him healed. That way, he's just still blockading them from losing, get, gaining their ember back. And as soon as I had exhausted my artifacts, I was just Oath of Poverty. Went, took my Amber pull up to seven, and then it was check for the last key. And yeah. that's like, you know, that's kind of an ideal situation. It's not going to always happen that way, but I mean, you're. Even if it doesn't, you just get the amber. Yeah, I mean, it's a huge it's gain. A like, if you've used your artifact once, it's already gained, like, its usefulness. Like, yeah. it's. It's, if, a, it's a card that you can repeat the effect, and obviously. Well, not just that. Are... Like, if, if you're using Oath of Poverty, you're able to just cycle. Like, if it's in your hand and it's just sitting there, and you have two or three artifacts out. Yeah, play it, because you're getting one off the play, plus two for each artifact destroyed through that, and then you're cycling another card out of your hand and going through your deck faster. The faster you do that, the faster those artifacts can come back into play, if it even makes it that far. That is a huge card that allows you to completely sway 
the ember pool in your favor and and the way that the game's I'm gonna, going. I'm gonna have to stop you right there. I think you might be uh you might be loving Oath of Poverty too much. Because I have a sicker with the poverty combo deck with Mobius Scroll, and that deck's sweet, but I just don't do enough. No, I'm just I'm saying like it's it's the deck I have it in has two artifacts. That's it. There's two artifacts in that yeah. whole deck. So when they're out and I have that card, I'm just saying like it's easier to get play it, get rid of it, and cycle through. Like it's doing what it has to. It's giving you that ember. It's great. The the whole idea is like, are you just gonna let it sit in your hand? No. Like why would you do that? Yeah. You're getting one off the play, and you know four off the. If you have two artifacts yeah, out, mean, you're getting four games and we'll cycling. Yeah. Yeah. You just want to keep that cycle going and cycling through. Yeah. Um, I mean, looking at some other cards here, we have uh, we have some some lore building things. We have uh, I think one of uh, one of these cards is the robot that uh, Quixo has with him. Um, uh, not quite sure which one it is. It's probably if we go back over here. I think if we look at uh, is it Helperbot? No, you can no? go go back to their thing. Scroll down. I think it might be. I think yeah, it might be Archimedes. Yeah, maybe. That that looks similar. It would kind of, it would make sense too. It kind of plays into um, archivist. Um, an elusive. Each of Archimedes' neighbors gains destroyed archive this creature. That's huge. Yeah. That's big. And I mean, some of these cards are just simply the cards we saw with slightly more interaction or slightly more effects. I really want this card to be titled Yahtzee Gang. That's what I thought that card was called until now. Like today, I learned. Yeah, that, that <laughs> card is not I, I I scrolled over it four times. I was like Yahtzee gang. That's great. Oh, that's Yancey gang. Yeah, that's our new uh, that's our new Dodger. It's kind of a hybrid of uh, Dodger and uh, yeah, Dodger and uh, Umbra. Yeah. So no, Umbra's, no. Umbra's action steal one. Dodger's no, fight steal uh, one. That you're thinking of the disc creature that's action steal one. Uh, Naughty is the shadow creature you're thinking of. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah naughty, naughty. But it's a so, big body, so it looks a lot like Pit Demon for Shadows. So, let's see. Igor. Look at the top three cards of your deck. Add one to your hand and discard the others. That's kind of a double-edged sword. That's balanced. I like that. I like that card a lot. That's great. I mean, it's balanced. I mean, then we've got that, you know, two cards that are named after Garfield's kids, which is awesome. That's another another thing that's kind of like you know, happy makes me happy about that. Is he's definitely on board still and gonna be on board. Obviously, he's putting a lot of thought into yeah and and love into this game. If he's naming cards after his kids, yeah. One of the things that I thought was a very strange statement that I received when I told when I tell people that he developed this game is that they're like they make this curmudgeonly old man statement that they're just like oh he'll probably develop one or two sets and just you know jump ship. And I just don't think that's the case here. Like, if you put your kid's name in the second set after a huge takeoff for the first, like, you're trying to make something out of it. Not just that, like, you know, his little insert from the rule book. Ugh. Let's try that again. His little insert in the rule book kind of... This might be his, like, piece de resistance, like, type of thing. Like, he's working on this, and this is his, you know, magnum opus. This is his one creation that... He is very happy with and very proud of, and he's going to continue to work towards making it the perfect, the perfect game, essentially the perfect CCG. And 
if anybody's going to do it, Garfield's going to do it. And I don't personally, from my viewpoint, looking at the way that the game is progressing and the way that he's sticking with it, I don't see him going away after one or two sets. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't saying that. I think either. he's I in here for the long run. Other people were... Well, no, no, the, yeah, the general consensus, like, they're, you know, people, like you said, curmudgeon like, er, I don't... Oh, he's just going to do what he did with uh, with magic and, you know, just sell out to wizards or something like that. I don't see that happening. Yeah. I, I think, like I said, this episode's more just to tell people and enforce that we're in a good spot and, you know, to celebrate the vault tour as awesome as that was. It was great. Seeing, it was awesome watching. Yeah. Live awesome watching. Keyforge that, you know, at a competitive level. Shout out to our buddy, uh, One Star, who got... Uh, commentator today that was pretty yeah. sick um if we weren't so kind of at a deadline in a way because we were watching all the vault tour coverage and didn't want to put anything out before the vault tour ended because we wanted to use it as a topic for today's show i feel as if maybe we would have had him as a guest and i think in the yeah. future we will have him as a guest i mean so he said he said that. he'd be down so i mean hopefully we can you know schedule that and make that happen because it'd be tight yeah i'm with it Moving into, I guess maybe back to Vault Tour stuff. Um, we are in fact going to try and make Ohio, I believe. Yeah, I mean it is it is slightly a long shot, but I feel like it's also very close. Like not super close in date time to Nova, but close enough that it. It's in the like, summer, like once I mean, the beginning of the mo- summer. Monetarily speaking, like you know. Yeah. Like it's it. One travel cost, both things are out of state, so there's going to be that. Then there's hotel costs or Airbnb, whatever have you. Um, I'm hoping to see a prize wall at Nova. I don't see why there wouldn't be. Yeah, um, they did finally state what Nova is going to be on to a public scale. It is going to be a grand championship, like I knew about for the long, a long time. Without uh, like you know, no official statement. Yeah, no type official of thing. But now that official statement be. is happened. Uh, yeah, I believe in the next month or so or two months and uh, they will it will be an article given out um and put out or we will see it announced on the uh the crucible cast because it was mentioned today through the new organized play director nice so i mean a lot of a lot of another sign that Keyforge is not dying you're not gonna you're not gonna hire someone as a director of a department for a game that's dying yeah you're not um, bringing on more staff for a sinking ship yeah, I, I just I feel like the game's in a great place, and you know maybe we can try to not use the word dying because I'm pretty sure we've used it maybe a hundred times this episode. So I'm just dying to use the word dying. What I'm can dying. I say? I think about death a lot. It makes me sad. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyways, so I think that it's going to be great, and definitely it does bridge a gap that I've been seeing in uh, a lot of players critiques of the game is that you can only earn the shards to redeem the things at vault tours and the only way you get cool redeemable stuff is playing in a vault tour but now with the with the grand championships and the store championships it's going to be a great way to bridge that gap yeah because uh the breakdown i've seen it it's posted on ffg's website but i think the breakdown of it is like you know 25 participation for store championships and then maybe like I don't know, maybe 75 participation in grands or something. So it's definitely worth coming out. Like, it's worth your entry fee, almost, in a yeah, way. Yeah, easily. I mean, the, you know, the counter to 
getting that many is to buy 25 decks or 50 decks and that's you know 50 bucks whereas most tournaments of that caliber what 30 30 30 to 45 tops like so it definitely pays for itself like especially looking at the prizes that are there i mean i was nerding out about the the vault keys the vault tour keys yeah earlier yeah i mean i just like the pins they look awesome dude i love that it says vault tour on it and it's got the the color coordinating side on the other side and then it's forged it looks just like a premium key but on the back end you've got a little bit more color enamel coloring and yeah the just the way that all the things come in vault tour with key forge on it it looks awesome i like the exclusive pins i mean it's dope i wish throughout my travels they offer talking about the house pins like no, the uh, the it says Vault Tour and then it says the city under it. Oh, nice. So for this one, it would be Vault Tour Denver. It would be in like silver with the amber in the middle. Oh, like nice. The Vault Tour icon. That's sick. So I I feel like that would be dope. Like if I if all my travels I had pins from them, that would just be great. You know what I mean? I mean, dude, it, pins are nice. dope. So I feel like I would definitely get a pin no matter what at every Vault Tour I stop at, and I hope that more do come to the East Coast. And I feel like with the uptick in success of these events i feel like they're going to start planning a lot more i'd love to like i said i'd love to see one hit dc just because that's like right around the corner from us and oh, we it, have it at nova there, I mean, there's got to be a prize wall there has to be so you think they're going to come out with uh exclusive pins for that then or uh, would that be I mean, like a, a plethora of the other vault tour stops and like what's left over afterwards like oh here's vault tour this this and this you get each city's vault yeah, tour thing like that'd maybe be cool um i don't know we're not confirmed yet this is all speculation and conjecture. Uh, right right yeah make so, that very clear um but you know it has to be clear because i am you know he is running lead yeah so i can't this is all conjecture what's gonna happen we don't even you know know per se what these grand championships are but we're gonna find out and I think it would be dope if we do have the prize wall because it gives It'd other be awesome. people you know, more opportunity to spend their amber shards. And I feel like that's the biggest gap. And not even to collect them because chainbound events give out a lot. Per, like, you know, enough. I mean, especially if you're winning. Yeah. So I feel like our gap would be kind of bridged there, especially if they can give it out. And then, you know, down the line, you know, come 2020, I feel like if they had, or, you know, maybe late 2019, if they had a Voltor on the East Coast that wasn't. You know, that was upper East Coast, mid-Atlantic to, you know, maybe Jersey or whatever, you know, or New York. I mean, it would be cool. New York would be sick. Or yeah. Philly. Philly would be a great, like, mid-stop. Philly's a great city. For, I love Philly in general. Yeah. So. Um, just don't, don't don't put it in Baltimore. <laughs> we, I mean, they have an open series in Baltimore, so they might just they might just give us one. But the thing I like most about, you know, to get off of these this geography shaming and naming uh, I feel like it's cool because FFG has a way to kind of, with combination of Cascade, Cascade Games, shout out to them for casting everything and putting it all together, that it's kind of like a store organizer that helps them out with their organized play sessions. Like, I think there's an open space and a hyperspace trial for X-Wing. There's something for yeah. uh, L5R. Um, there's a lot of stuff to do for other players. It just generally gets a larger gathering. So if you, you look at these numbers of these Walter and you're like, oh, that's not that many people, but then you add on all the other games and it's like a convention of people, a yeah, large gathering. It's, it's just like, you know, when we're talking about that 250, not, not don't quote us on that number, but, you know, saying 250, that's just for Keyforge. There's many other things going on at this. Like, I mean, it, during the finals, you could hear the announcer in the background over the comm going like this is the end of this round. round for this game 
you know, please see your judges and report your standings afterwards, which goes to show you, like, those games alone had huge turnouts as well. Yeah. Like, this, like, think of it as a convention, not just a vault tour stop. Like, that's just looking at the Keyforge aspect of it. This is beyond that, which is awesome, which also allows people from other games to see the vault tour face to face. And then they're like, okay, that game looks cool. Maybe I'll get into that. Maybe I'll grab a deck or maybe I'll sign up for an event that's happening. Yeah, through, like through, a seal like, or something. Exactly. So it's, it's good exposure and it's also just good environment because say, say you get knocked out round one or like first day, you play your games out, you're out. There's so much stuff to do at these events other than that's just not pertaining to Keyforge. Yeah, like, and there's so many Keyforge events. There's like a, exactly. I think I read the list for Atlanta. There's like a survival tournament outside the main event. There's a there's, triad. Just um, sealed, obviously. Um, like a lot of. I wish like, why did I have to move and then get into Keyforge to find out that I moved that, uh, at you, the the worst time? Um, we'll see it though. You know, it'll come around and Grand Champs will be great. Dude, I'm stoked for Nova. Yeah. I'm stoked for it's Nova. It's going to be great. I'm very stoked. Preparations taking place um, now. Um, and I think I'm I'm ready. I'm excited, personally. I think we're going to do very well. And, you know, it is a big undertaking for me, but I think I'm ready. Yeah. So. I mean, it's going to be not just that. Like, just the networking opportunities, meeting other people and being able to, like, oh, hey, you're from here? Like, dude, yeah, how come I don't see you at these events? Like, dude, we got to link up, play together, like, have fun. Yeah. And that's, that's like, another thing is, like, you know, building that community and strengthening the already existing community by, like, introducing people that might not know each other that live right around the corner from each other. It opens up, one, teams, playtesting, back into that. Like, it allows yeah. you to play with people outside of your normal playgroup. Because, like, like, me and Austin play together all the time. And that's, like, one thing that... That's why we called it inbred. Yeah. Like our our playtesting was very inbred because we consistently play against each other so much that we know each other's decks, we know each other's strategies, and we're looking for those tells and those things and those certain combos that are about to hit the board. And it's like, okay, I see what he's setting up for. I know what's about to happen. And then you go to a tournament and you don't have those call signs and you're just like kind of just like, oh, I'm a low fish. Yeah. And then, that, I mean, like, going back to, like, you know, when we went to the triad, like, and how strong Mars was, neither one of us had played any really strong Mars decks against each other. So we were completely unprepared for that whole, the whole thing. Like, Mars showed out at that tournament. Like, Untamed, like you said, was very mild compared to the Mars. Mars was controlling everything in that tournament. And it really showed. And it was hard for me because I wasn't ready for it. Um, I mean, the first game I played, it was a dude with three decks, all really strong Mars houses. And I was just like, wow, I guess I got to pick which one of these I just want to get, don't want to get annihilated by or even play against. And that was the hard thing until I saw three bio backups. And I was just like, yeah, no, no, that's yeah, gone. I wouldn't want to, I don't want to play against the three bio backup deck, you know, cause it just, it makes, unless you have hard removal or like, it's, an just, it's just so much recursion. Yeah. So much recursion happening there, but I think uh, with with that, I don't. I think we. I mean, we had a lot to cover, and I think we we spit bars. We figured out everything to do it, and I mean, we covered we covered quite a bit of everything. Um, a little bit of everything kind of trickled in to one, you know, Good. nice nice little hour long episode we're looking at here. Um, hopefully, the audio stands. We've got nice good quality throughout. Again, awesome awesome time. Also, really stoked about this. We are now on 
several different streaming platforms for your listening pleasure. Yeah, all those all those great. people that don't listen to indie rap and other stuff can, you know, get away yeah, from if SoundCloud. You, if you don't want to listen to us, our Mumble Rap project, which is still on SoundCloud, just kidding, um, we are now on Spotify, Anchor, iTunes, uh, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Anchor, I think I already said Anchor. We're, we're on a, a lot, like a lot of seven platforms. A, a lot of streaming platforms. Um, I know we've got through our Anchor, Anchor included. There, that's six. So if you go to our Anchor, it shows you where we're at. Wait, wait hang and on. Then, so you said you said we're at six, or is, is we're, it we're seven? At, so so it'd be if, seven, if seven we, altogether. If we gain an amber from the six, or we're on seven, uh, and I'm looking at the board, I think we have two keys forged. Two key forged. Oh crap! You know what that means? That's key charge, GG guys. Thank you all for tuning in and have a wonderful rest of your week.